0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillah wassalamu ala sayyidina muhammadu ala alihi wa sahbihi wa wa So The next hadith Is mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Bismillah It is narrated by Abu Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas radiallahu anhu One of the ten who have been given the glad tidings of entry into Jannah So just as a reminder uh, Before the Dhikr portion on Thursdays now We're reading from Hadith To kind of get ourselves in the zone For that side Yeah, turn on that side But this side? I think this side's fine Do you guys need it louder on this side? No, we don't. Yeah it's fine But if that's uh, if outside needs to be Yeah Go for it Probably does Hello. So we're reading hadith And uh, we're in Riyad As-Saliheen The meadows of the righteous Gardens of the righteous However you want to translate it We're on hadith number 6 sa ibn Abi Waqqas Radhiallahu anhu Who's one of the ten Who had been given the glad tidings of entry into Jannah Narrated that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu visited me in my illness which became severe in the year of Hajjat Wada' <coughs> The Farewell Pilgrimage <coughs> <coughs> I said, O Messenger of Allah, you can see the pain which I am suffering and I am a man of means And there is none to inherit me except one daughter Should I give two-thirds of my property and charity? He sallallahu alaihi wa sallam said no I asked him then half, he said no. Then I asked, can I give away one third? He said, give away one third, and that is still too much. Yahani, and... Wathuluthu uh, كَثِيرُ وَالثُلُثُ كَثِيرُ is not really, and one third is too much, saying that one third is still a lot. Slightly different, right? To say one third is still a lot is slightly different than to say one third is too much. Because if you are to say one third is too much, then that would mean that you can't give away one-third. But the Prophet I allowed him to give away one-third. So, yani, one-third is still a lot. That's the point. It is better to leave your heirs well off than to leave them poor, begging people. You will not expend a thing in charity for the sake of Allah, but you will be rewarded for it even the morsel of food which you feed your wife. I said, O Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, would I survive my companions? He said, If you survive others and accomplish a thing for the sake of God, you would gain higher ranking and standing. You will survive them. Your survival will be beneficial to people and harmful to others, meaning the enemies of Islam. <laughs> you will survive others till the people will derive benefit from you and others will be harmed by you. So the same thing. And the Prophet them further said, O oh Allah, complete for my companions their emigration and do not cause them to retract. Uh, so, and this is basically saying that He's gonna live and he's gonna go on and you know so on and so forth. He's gonna have a long life. The point here is that the book of intentions. How uh, The book is this. How This section is on intentions. So he's saying you're gonna whatever you give in charity, you're gonna get the reward for it. That's the point here. But there's also you know this this thing of like it's better for you to leave your heirs well off than it is to leave them poor begging people is a good point too. You know like. It's okay to take care of yourself and take care of your family, and at the same time be charitable. So he tells him one third. Yeah, one third's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> one third is a lot. So <coughs> the seventh hadith Abu Hurairah radiAllahu an narrates: "Inna Allah taala illa yanthuru ila ajsamikum walla ila suwarikum, laakin yanthuru ila qulubikum wa amalikum." Abu Huraira narrates that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said Allah does not look at your figures nor at your attire But he looks at your hearts And and your deeds So this is uh, again An issue of intention that he looks at your hearts And he doesn't look at your Outside you know obviously Allah Gives us certain rules that we're supposed To follow in terms of dress and so on but the Point is that that's not The ultimate judgment in the end The ultimate judgment in the end is not based on One's color or one's uh, status or like how how beautiful they are or how ugly they are or whatever it might be the in the end Allah is looking at what do we do and what is the state of our hearts. Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiAllahu an reported that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was asked about the one who fights in the battlefield out of valor or out of zeal or out of hypocrisy. Which of this is considered as fighting in the cause of Allah? He said, he who fights in order that the word of God remains the supreme is considered as fighting in the cause of Allah. So this one's also very important, right? People do things for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes people do things so that they can be looked upon as being brave. Sometimes people look at things so they can be, they do things so they can be looked upon as being generous. Or they can be looked upon as being knowledgeable. Or they can be looked upon as excellent, whatever it might be. And all of those things are not the right reason to be struggling. One struggles for the sake of God. The sake of God. It's not supposed to necessarily be about ourselves. The paradox or the irony of that is that when one struggles for the sake of God, it's beneficial to themselves. But they have to, it has to be put in the right place. So if they struggle for themselves, they'll gain some sort of benefit, seemingly from that in this world. But it won't. There won't be reward in the hereafter and but if if one struggles for the sake of god oftentimes it will be beneficial to us too <coughs> uh i have a note here that says sincerity not machismo <laughs> so he you know you do it for the sake of god not so that you can seem like you're tough or or whatever it might be right people fight for all kinds of reasons there's so many things you could say but then it's going to distract from the point the point is clear i think uh, Abu Bakr Thaqafi, radiyallahu anhu. Abu Bakr is different than Abu Bakr. Just as a note. If you see, they're two different companions Abu Bakr and Abu Bakr, two different people. So, Abu Bakr narrated that the Prophet ﷺ said, When two Muslims are engaged in a combat against each other with their swords and one is killed, both are doomed to hell. I said, O Messenger of God, as to the one who kills, it is understandable. But why the one, but why the slain one? He replied, He was eager to kill his opponent. So, yeah, so this is a bit again on the intention. Now, what if that wasn't the person's intention? Would it be the same? No, it wouldn't be the same. But if that is the intention, both of them are just trying to kill each other without any sort of reason behind it. That's acceptable. Um, there could be acceptable reasons. Right? Like, if you're in the army of Ali radiallahu an, and you're fighting the khawarij of your time, you know, you're fighting the rebels of your time and you're in the, f- you're in the army of Ali radiallahu an, you're fighting a legitimate battle. This is different, but this is just like two people they are fighting with each other. Abu Huraira reported that the Messenger of Allah wa sallam said, The reward for Salat performed by a person in congregation uh, is uh, greater by 20 times, by more than 20 times greater than the Salat of one who is performed by themselves. Uh, when one performs wudu perfectly and then proceeds to the masjid with the sole intention of performing salat then for every step he takes towards the masjid he is upgraded 1 degree in reward and one sin is eliminated until they enter the masjid when they enter the masjid it is considered as performing salat as long as they are as long as it is the salat which prevents them from leaving And the angels keep on supplicating Allah for them as long as they remain in their place of prayer. They say, O Allah, have mercy on him. O Allah, forgive his sins or her sins. O Allah, accept their repentance. This will carry on as long as they do not break their wudu. Basically, they're in a position, they go with the intention to pray, they pray, and they remain there. Out of worship and out of so on and so forth, that's what's keeping them there. And so long as they stay after the prayer, in that state of worship and supplication and so on, then as long as they're still in that condition, then the angels will keep praying for them and keep so on. Why is that in the chapter? Because they went with the intention of worship and they stayed with the intention of worship. So the intention is the means by which they get all of that reward. And, and um, is that fine to just a or other worship too? Mm, what do you mean? Like, uh, when they're waiting in prayer, it counts as being in prayer. So, like, what if you're, like, Ibn, Ibn Abbas waiting outside the house mm. for knowledge? Yeah, or? you could probably argue that. So that uh, you could probably argue that. Someone w- someone went to do something good. They had intention to do something good. And as long as they're out doing that thing with that intention, then they'll they'll get good from that. Inshallah. Number eleven, Abdullah ibn Abbas anhuma, narrated that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that Allah the Glorious said, "Verily Allah has ordered that the bad deeds be written down, uh, that the good and the bad deeds be written down." Then he explained it clearly. He who intends to do a good deed but he does not do it, then Allah records it for them as a full good deed. But if he carries out his intention, then Allah writes it down for him as from ten to seven hundred fold and even more. But if he intends to do an evil deed and has not done it Then Allah writes it down with him as a full good deed But if he intends it and has done it Allah writes it down as one bad deed Okay So what's the breakdown? Breakdown is you could do good, you can do bad Right. If you intend to do good and you don't do it It's written as one reward You don't do it You intend to do it but you don't end up doing it one If you intend to do it and it's good And you do do it It's written 10 to 700 times the reward if you intend to do something bad and you do it, it's written as one bad deed. And if you intend to do something bad and you don't do it, it's written as one good deed. So, the system is stacked in our favor. May we benefit from it. Abdullah ibn Umar ibn Khattab narrated that he, he heard the Messenger of Allah saying, Three men amongst those who came before you set out until night came, and they reached a cave, so they entered it." This is, by the way, the hadith, that's the evidence for the agreed-upon practice of mentioning one doing good deeds with the intention of uh, Allah helping a person through them. So You see this is very common in like traditional Muslim societies someone is sick and they, they, they give some charity and they make dua that the sickness is, re- re- is taken care of, which there's other narrations for. Or, or they are taking an exam so they read Surah Al-Fatiha and they ask Allah to give them aid in the exam. So they're doing a good deed and they're asking Allah through that good deed. It's agreed upon that you can do that based on this hadith. So three men amongst those who came before you set out until night came and they reached a cave, so they entered it. A rock fell down from the mountain and blocked the entrance of the cave. They said, nothing will save you from this unless you supplicate to God by virtue of a righteous deed you have done. Thereupon one of them said, O Allah, I had parents who were old and I used to offer them milk before any of my children or slaves. One day I went far away in search of grazing and could not come back until they had slept. When I milked as usual and brought the drink, I found them both asleep. I hated to disturb them, and also disliked to give milk to my children before them. My children were crying out of hunger at my feet, but I waited with the bowl in my hand for them to wake up." Man, wa- modern Western people are going to lose their minds on this, Sandeeth. <laughs> my children were crying out of hunger at my feet, but I waited with the bowl in my hand for them to wake up. When they awoke at dawn, they drank milk. This is a crazy surah, right? It's a crazy image. He comes home late at night. He milks for the, isp- the milk to give to his parents. Parents have already gone to sleep. So he says, I waited with the bowl until they woke up in the morning. And my children were crying because they were hungry and stuff. But I wasn't going to feed my children until I fed my parents. This is the principle. I bet his his children aren't entitled. (laughs) I'm not saying you should do it. I'm not saying I do it. I'm just saying it's interesting. When they (laughs) awoke at dawn, they drank the milk Oh Allah, if I did so to seek your pleasure Then deliver us from the distress caused by the rock The rock moved slightly, but they were unable to escape The next person said Oh Allah, I had a cousin whom I loved more than anyone else This one's a little bit graphic, so I'll change it a little bit So that it can be for the public Whom I loved more than anyone else I wanted to uh, have a relationship with this woman But she didn't want to And some time passed and she became in a tough situation where she needed money. So I gave her the money uh, on condition that she would be with me. Then uh, when it came to the time she told me to fear Allah and I left her and I went away. And even though uh, I loved her and I left her with the money too. And And he said, Oh Allah, if I did that to seek your pleasure then remove the distress in which we are. The rock moved aside a bit further but they were still unable to get out. All of this, again, is about intention, right? The third one said, O oh Allah, I hired some laborers and paid them their wages, except one of them departed without taking his due. I invested his money in business, and the business prospered greatly. After a long time, he came to me and said, O oh servant of Allah, pay me my dues. I said, all that you see is yours. Camels, cattle, goats, slaves, all of this property, he had invested it from the little bit of money that this person left, and had made a bunch of money. So he told him, 'All all of this is yours. He said, do not mock me I assured him that I was not joking So he took all of the things and went away And he left nothing Oh Allah, if I did so seeking your pleasure Then relieve us of our distress The rock slipped aside and they got out walking freely Okay That's the end of chapter 1 Chapter 2 Is on repentance Oh man, such a good chapter There's a really long hadith in this one The hadith of the repentance of Kaaba bin Malik It's a really good But I don't think we're going to have time Repentance, Babat Tawbah uh, Qala al-ulama'u At-tawbah tu wajibatun min kun li dhambin fa'inkanat al-ma'asiyatu bain al-abdi wa bain Allahi ta'ala la tatalak bihaqin admi falaha thalathatu shuru so he goes into this long thing in the beginning. About uh says a scholar said it is necessary to repent from every sin. If the offense involves the right of Allah, not a human, then there are three conditions to be met in order that repentance be accepted. So if it's the Rights are the rights of Allah and rights of people. Rights of Allah are actually easier because they're they're lighter because it's between you and Allah and you can ask Allah to forgive you and it's fine. But when it's someone else's right, it's harder because they have to forgive you and they ha- you know there's there's more to it. So then, the, if it's about the rights of Allah, there's three conditions: to desist from committing the sin, to feel sorry for committing it, and to decide not to recommit it. Any repentance failing to meet any of these three conditions would not be sound. But if the sin involves a human's right, it requires a fourth condition to absolve oneself from such right. If it is a property, he should return it to its rightful owner. If it is slandering or backbiting, one should ask the pardon of the offended. uh, If they believe that will be more beneficial. If they believe that that's going to cause more problems, then that's a different conversation. One should also repent from all sins. If he repents from some, his repentance would still be sound according to the people of sound knowledge. He should, however, repent from the rest. So then it goes on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَتُوبُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا أَيُّهَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ And he says, "Subhana إِسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ ثُمَّ تُوبُوا and he says, Ya أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمُنُوا tubu إِنَ اللَّهِ تَوْبَةً Allah says, And all of you beg Allah to forgive you, O believers, that you may be successful. And he says, Seek the forgiveness of your Lord and turn to Him in repentance. And he says, O you who believe, turn to Allah with sincere repentance. Abu Huraira radiyallahu reported, I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, By Allah, I seek Allah's forgiveness and repent to Him more than 70 times in a day. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al Aghar bin Yasar al Muzani narrated that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, Turn you people in repentance to Allah and beg pardon of Him. I turn to Him in repentance a hundred times a day. A hundred is more than seventy, right? Yes? That was okay. Because sometimes people read it, they're like, Oh my god, that one says seventy and that one says a The First one says, I do it more than seventy times a day. Second one says, I do it a hundred. There's no contradiction. 15. Anas ibn Malik al-Ansari radiallahu anhu, the servant of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa narrated the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, verily Allah is more delighted with the repentance of his slave than a person who lost his camel in a desert and then finds it. You have to imagine it, right? Deserts are really incredible. Like, anyone ever been in the middle of a desert? You're in the middle of a desert, it's very... Uh, like even if you're not in the middle of it, you just go to somewhere like Joshua Tree and you feel the desolation of the of the desert. Like there's nothing here to help you. And if you lose your camel, you're done for. Right. So this person says Allah is more delighted with, or the Prophet says that Allah is more delighted with the repentance of His servant than a person who lost his camel in the desert and then finds it unexpectedly. That's how happy Allah is when people turn back to Him.
1: In another version,
0: he said, وسلم, Verily Allah is more pleased with the repentance of his slave than a person who has his camel in a waterless desert carrying his provision of food and drink, and it is lost. He, having lost all hopes, lies down in shade and is disappointed about his camel when all of a sudden he finds that camel standing before him. He takes hold of its reins and then out of boundless joy blurts out, O oh Allah, you are my slave and I am your Rabb. He commits this mistake out of extreme joy. I mean, the person's so elated that they mix everything up, right? <laughs> uh, th- even that elation, Allah is more happy about their repentance than that person. We'll read a couple more and then we'll stop, inshaAllah. Abu Musa al Ash'ari reported the Prophet of Allah said, Allah the Exalted will continue to stretch out His hand in the night so that the sinners of the day may repent, and continue to stretch His hand in the daytime so that the sinners of the night may repent until the sun rises from the west. Meaning anyone, as long as we're not at the end-to-end the the end of times, you can still repent. And if a person makes a mistake in the night, then Allah is there. And if the person makes a mistake in the day, then Allah is there. And Abu Hurairah, the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, said, He who repents before the sun rises from the west, Allah will forgive him. Again, before the end of time, the person repents, Allah will accept their repentance. Allah forgive us. Abdullah bin Umar ibn Khattab radiAllahu anhum, reported that the Prophet said, Allah accepts a slave's repentance as long as the latter is not on his deathbed, or a servant's repentance. As long as the latter is not on his deathbed. That is before the soul of the dying person reaches their throat. Meaning, it's, Deathbed is not is that like choking sound at the end of your life? You know, the choking sound? As long as they're not at that point, Allah accepts their repentance. Allahumma sallallahu ala wa This a long one. What time did Maghrib come in? 25 or something? 20, 25? Yeah. Just how many minutes ago? 15? 20? 15? Okay. Zir ibn Hubaysh reported, I went to Safwan ibn Asal anhu, to inquire about wiping with wet hands over light boots when while performing wudu. He's asking about khuf. You know the khuf, the leather sock? So he says, He light boots. Allahu alam bis so he says, <coughs> t- wiping on the khuf. He asked about wiping on the khuf. He asked me, What brings you here, zir? I answered, Search for knowledge. He said, Angels spread their wings for the seeker of knowledge out of joy for what he seeks. I told him, I have some doubts in my mind regarding wiping of wet hands over the leather sock and the course of performing wudu after defecation or urinating. Now, since you are one of the companions of the Prophet, I have come to ask you whether you heard any saying of the Prophet concerning it. He replied in the affirmative and said, He وسلم, instructed us that during a journey we need not take off our khuf for washing the feet up to three days and nights except in case of a major impurity. In other cases such as sleeping, relieving oneself or urinating, the wiping of wet hands over the khuf will suffice. I then questioned him, did you hear him say anything about love and affection? He replied, we accompanied the Messenger of Allah in a journey. What did he? what what's the Arabic of this word sorry ah uh, al-hawa love yeah said so did you uh, did you hear him say anything about love he said we accompanied the prophet in them in a journey when a bedouin called out in a loud voice o muhammad the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam replied to him in the same tone here i am I said to him the Bedouin woe to you lower your voice in his presence because you are not allowed to do so He said by Allah I will not lower my voice <laughs> And then addressing the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he said <laughs> Bedouins are funny they're so funny in the narrations He said by Allah I will not lower my voice And then addressing the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he said What about a person who loves people but has not found himself in their company The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi replied on the day of resurrection A person will be in the company of those whom he loves the messenger of allah said then kept on talking to us and in the course of his talk he mentioned a gateway in the heaven the width of which could be crossed by a rider in 40 or 70 years sufyan one of the narrators of the hadith said this gateway is in the direction of syria Allahu sham allah created it on the day he created the heaven and the earth it is open for repentance and will not be shut until the sun rises from that direction yeah, like an actual place on earth allahu adam it says Qibil <coughs> al-Sham <coughs> It'll be interesting to see What Ibn Ilan says on that What that means So we should probably break Or should we not We'll do one more Because that will take us up to uh, The story of Ka'b ibn Malik's tawbah, Which is a good place to stop Which is a great story So in this one This is not the one before It, it is the famous one Abu Sa'id al-Khudri reported that the Prophet said there was a man from among a nation before you who killed 99 people and then made an inquiry about the most learned person on the earth he was directed to a monk he was directed to a monk he came to him and told him that he had killed 99 people and asked him if there was any chance for his repentance to be accepted he replied in the negative and the man killed him also completing 100 he then asked about the most learned man on earth so (coughs) So, the first time he asked about Alam Ahlul ad, the most knowledgeable person on earth, they told him to go to a monk. He gave him the answer, he killed him. And the second time he asked for the most knowledgeable person on earth. Right? Same thing. <coughs> uh, and that time, ala Rajulin alim. That time he was indicated to a person who was a scholar. Different thing happened He was sent to a scholar Then he asked the most learned person He was directed to a scholar He told him that he had killed 100 people And asked him if there was a chance for repentance to be accepted He replied in the affirmative and asked Who stands between you and repentance? Go to such and such land There you will find people devoted to prayer and worship of Allah Join them in worship and do not come back to your land Because it is an evil place So he went away and hardly had he covered half the distance when death overtook him. And there was a dispute between the angels of mercy and the angels of torment. The angels of mercy pleaded, this man has come with a repenting heart to God. And the angels of punishment argued he never did a virtuous deed in his life. He hadn't done anything yet, right? He made Toba. he went on his journey. He hadn't done anything. The angels of punishment argued he never did a virtuous deed in his life. Then there appeared another angel in the form of a human being, and the contending angels agreed to make him arbiter between them. He said, measure the distance between the two lands. He will be considered belonging to the land to which he is nearer. They measured and found him closer to the land of piety where he intended to go, and so the angels of mercy collected his soul. In another version, he was found to be nearer to the locality of the pious by a cubit and was thus included among them. Another version says, Allah commanded the land which he wanted to leave to move away and commanded the other land, his destination, to draw nearer. And then he said, now measure the distance between them. It was found that he was nearer to his goal by a hand span and was thus forgiven. It is also narrated that he drew clo- closer by a slight movement on his chest, which is a nice narration too. All of them are really beautiful in their own way. Right? One of them is just that he was already there right another one is that the earth was moved actually another one is that he made it that uh basically you know like when a runner crosses the finish line and they they kind of like throw out their chest to to pass the to pass the thing first that's like what he did and he was accepted uh, from those who were forgiven so again this is on the importance of seeking forgiveness May Allah forgive us. Inshallah, Amin. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. As-salaam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa sallam Let's pray Maghrib. Inshallah, and then we'll go to. Uh